0: There are a few things you've got to come to grips with if you're going to be an entrepreneur. It took me a while to get this. You are probably not going to be anywhere near as smart, talented, driven, connected, or mentally tough as most successful entrepreneurs. I am certainly not. It's not that you aren't all of those things. I'm sure you are. It's just that the entrepreneurship world is the major leagues. These are the smartest people on earth. And while you're not necessarily competing against them, it's hard to build something out of nothing. So, if I work 60 or 70 hours in a week, I need those to be ridiculously high-value. So we've got to figure out how to amplify every minute you work to give yourself a chance. If you're working part-time, this becomes even more true. To do this, we need to do two things. First, we need to make sure we're working on really high-value, differentiated stuff. Second, we've got to create an environment where working on the right stuff is the easiest path. The first few episodes of this podcast were about idea and customer. They're critical. If you're new, welcome. Go check those out first. But today, we're moving away from customers so we can nerd out on execution a little bit. Today, we're going to build you an operating system. I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by the best and I think only accelerator for early stage founders who still have their full-time jobs, Tacklebox. I got to college for my freshman year a few days early. I'd been recruited to play basketball and I was told that we'd have some informal workouts before school was in session. The senior captain met me in my room while my parents and I were unpacking and said to hurry up because pickup started in an hour. Fresh off the emotion of saying goodbye to my parents, I rolled into that first unofficial slash official practice, my new coach peering down from his office. I got my ass kicked. Everyone was bigger, stronger, faster, and more physical than me. I'll never forget one of the first plays, running alongside somebody with the ball on a breakaway, getting ready to try and block their shot like I had hundreds of times in high school, only to look up as he dunked all over my head. Afterwards, I called my uncle. I couldn't bring myself to call my parents. I was too upset. I told him I wasn't good enough and I'd probably get cut. I had to hold back the tears. I loved basketball so much and it was about to be taken from me. He reassured me it was fine just to do my best and if I got cut, I got cut. I didn't end up getting cut, but I quickly realized that what had worked for me in high school was not going to fly in college. I wasn't more naturally talented than everyone like I'd been growing up. Most people were bigger, faster, and stronger than me. In high school, I'd loved playing, so my practice was just playing pickup. I shot around by myself a ton too, but it was never structured. That had worked fine until this point, but I wanted to be a great college player, so I couldn't keep messing around. I needed to find an advantage. I knew I couldn't be the best at everything, but I did think I could find a few specific areas with huge return and become great at them. Specifically, I recognized that in the flow of our offense, I'd be open for three different types of three-pointers all the time. I wasn't a great shooter yet, but I could be. And I really only needed to focus on those specific three-point shots coming from locations off of screens in a certain way to get enormous value. So I practiced those shots maniacally. This layered on top of all our general practice gave me a real advantage. I could hit three-pointers from the wing, coming off a double screen, getting a pass from the top of the key in my sleep. And during my senior year of college, I did. I finished third in the country in three-point shooting and finished top five in school history in points. I scored over 650 points on three-pointers alone, nearly all from those three spots. So is this story relevant to founders or did I just want to list my college stats? Well, it's a little bit of both. When you leave the corporate world and step into the startup world, you'll get smacked into the face by this different breed of person, a person with drive and capabilities you simply won't be able to match. And that's fine. We do need to focus on ordinary and extraordinary to keep up. You can't expect ordinary inputs to yield you extraordinary results, and you need extraordinary results for your startup to get off the ground. The way you work now is probably ordinary. And just ramping up on the number of ordinary hours you work won't fly. So what do you need in an operating system? We need to bring the same type of approach and discipline I brought to practice to your workflow. If you're working on your idea on the side and it's a passion, don't worry. This doesn't make this not fun or more like a regular job. It just makes you a professional. If you really want to give what you're working on a shot, you need to do this. The three big things we'll talk about today are first, prioritization second, the myth of willpower, and third, your internal weekly report. If you want all the tools and products I'll list today and a detailed description of how to build all of this, sign up for the podcast newsletter at gettacklebox.com, then click on podcast. I'll also pop a link in the show notes. Also, I've been told that to grow, you need reviews. I saw that some podcasts offer $10 Starbucks cards if people submit a positive review. I check those shows and all the reviews just say something like Starbucks in all caps. This seems endlessly lame, so I'm not going to do that. But if you like the show, feel free to leave a review. And almost more interestingly, feel free to send me an email. I love nerding out on this stuff. Now let's get to it. You've got an idea and you're excited about it. You block off your entire weekend to work on it. Start giving this thing a shot. You sit down, you've got a big cup of coffee, and you open your laptop. Then what? What do you do? You think for a second, a second more, then you open your email. Maybe there's something to respond to. This happens because most corporate jobs are reactive. The way most people work is they open up their email in the morning, they see what's most urgent and important in the moment, and then they do it. Then they're in and out of email the rest of the day. Everything's reactive. This is first-order thinking. There's a task you need to do. You'll get credit when you do it and you do it. The feedback loop is short and satisfying, and the work is shallow. It's hard to break this habit of reactive work. It's easy and mindless. Reactive work is crippling for startups. To combat this, you need to start categorizing every bit of work you do in terms of stones and sand. I visualize each week as an empty glass tube. We'll fill that tube with work throughout the week. There are two types of work that'll fill it, stones and sand. Stones are bigger. They take up a ton of room in the tube because they take big chunks of uninterrupted time to work on. I usually block off three or four hours at a time for this type of uninterrupted work. Stones have positive second-order consequences. They're proactive and thoughtful. They push you to find your unique differentiated value and then invest in it. This stuff often feels painful in the moment. You've got emails to answer, but instead you're spending three or four hours thinking about stuff eight months down the road. It always feels like the wrong decision in the moment, but it's always the right decision. Success in the startup world is a lagging indicator. Because this work has such long, uncertain, unsatisfying feedback loops, ordinary people don't do it. It's against our nature. The seemingly urgent stuff always seems to elbow out the deeper work. The rest of the work you've got is sand, it fills the cracks. If you prioritize sand, you'll fill up that tube and then you won't have any room for your stones. If you start with the stones, you'll get the most important stuff done first and the sand fills in the cracks. I've mentioned it a thousand times, but I'm an essentialist. 99% of what people do doesn't matter because everyone does it. Everyone answers emails, everyone schedules things, everyone responds to things, everyone checks LinkedIn. There's no delta here. It can't be a top priority. No one ever separated themselves by responding quickly to emails. So what's a week of sand and stones look like? Let's look at my week this week. For me, my stones are writing, recording, producing, and sharing this podcast. My business is based on terrific early stage founders applying to my accelerator program. Podcasts have nothing to do with this. But podcasts can do two things for me long term. First, I love telling stories, and I'm good at it, and I love helping founders. This is differentiated. This is unique. I've learned a ton the past five years running Tacklebox, and this is a great forum to get all that specific knowledge about the first six months of a startup out. Stones are usually perfect for building on and leveraging specific knowledge. Second, maybe a year or two from now, this podcast becomes popular. Maybe I get more customers and then I get more flexibility around the types of products I can offer. Somewhere down the road, I am going to thank myself for consistently putting out this podcast and prioritizing it over things like answering email. The last cool thing is the podcast allows me to talk to tremendous founders. I've got an excuse to speak with the founder of The Wirecutter or Brooklyn or whoever else I spoke with this week. That's awesome and I'm learning a ton. The second type of stone work I have this week is proactive outreach. I'm trying to learn how to be a great podcaster, so I'm going through and reaching out to the top 100 business podcasts in the iTunes store. I'd love to speak with every single person, so I'm crafting cold emails, I'm writing them, I'm thoughtfully responding. I also want to speak with NPR, Gimlet, and anyone else producing quality content. Again, no immediate value, but I'm network building. I'm getting famous to the family. If I ever want to sell this thing to, say, Gimlet, I'm not just going to show up on their doorstep, knock on their door, and say, hey, want it? It's got to be after 18 months of them watching us move up and to the right. Relationships are built on lines, not dots. And these stones are a great opportunity to start creating the dots that make the line that show how well you're doing. Stones are best for things that will separate you. It's usually one of four things. Strategic thinking and tests, deep customer interactions, network building, or team building. For me, the SAND is everything else. It's responding to emails from our founders and alumni. It's wrapping up a recent cohort. It's responding to inbound requests. It's organizing meetings and interviews with potential founders. It's reading and responding to applications. It's all stuff that's important, but isn't really all that predicated on me. It's the 99% stuff. Anyone can do it once we've established the playbook. The goal is to start identifying all of the SAND tasks and either automating it or delegating it. I'm learning that everything comes with a sacrifice. Stones force you to endure this short-term pain. There's a chance one of our alumni gets pissed if I take six days to answer an email that took me five minutes to reply to. Sorry, Ronan, that happened today. And I get it, but my goal needs to be to create the best possible outcome for a handful of founders today, 1,000 next year, and 10,000 in five years. That's gonna come at a cost. Transparency is key. I stink at this, and it's uncomfortable. But it's important for you to make it clear when you'll be answering emails so expectations are set. It's also doubly tricky for entrepreneurs because we always want to promise the world and then we'll figure out on the back end how to make it happen. These Herculean unscalable efforts aren't always great long-term. They have their place, but the majority of your work needs to be more durable. The sand can be unscalable, but the stones should be building the scaffolding to make the unscalable stuff eventually take less and less time. This sand and stone framework isn't exactly a tough thing to get behind. The logic is obvious, but people don't do it even after they know about it. They tell me things like, well, I can't afford to take the time to be strategic now. I'll do it once whatever happens. Then whatever it is happens or doesn't, and they keep on doing what they've always done. There's never going to be all green lights. There's always going to be a sacrifice needed. The key is understanding why human nature is holding you back. People always overestimate the downside and underestimate the upside. There's a girl you've had a crush on for years, but you've never asked her out. The downside, she says no. It's sort of awkward for a few minutes. The upside, she says yes. You date, you get married to your soulmate, and you live happily ever after. But you better not risk those few awkward minutes, so we're going to keep on not talking to her. An important part of your operating system is understanding that you've got no willpower, and you can't do this stuff on your own you need to design a system. I start with a calendar. It's possible that you don't control your calendar and that's fine. We want to do the best we can here. So what I say is sit down on Sunday evening and check in on the upcoming week. First thing you want to do is figure out where you can schedule in these three to four hour long stone blocks. My goal is to have 60% or more of my work to be the stonework. I have 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. blocked off every day except for Wednesday for just that. I'll also try and squeeze in a few more stones here or there, usually in three hour blocks, but sometimes those don't happen. On Sunday, I choose what I'll work on. This is the stuff that differentiates you. The unique tests that you're running to find the 1% of things that'll really matter to your customers. The crazy stuff you're allowed to explore because it might end up being the secret. The books you need to read to get unique perspectives. Anything longer-term focused is fair game. There's one more slot I hold dear, Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. I leave my phone at home, I grab a notebook, and I think about things in a coffee shop. This is incredibly productive, even though it always seems like I should be staying home and answering emails or doing something else. I'm always happy I did it at the end. Now on to the slightly wackier stuff. I pause my email every day until noon. I then check it from 12 to 12.45, answering the most important stuff, and then I have a hard stop. I won't check it again until 3, again with a hard stop at 3.30, and then again from 6 to 6.30. I use a tool called Inbox Pause the rest of the time. All of my emails will flow in at noon, 3, and 6. The big question is, what if an urgent email comes in at 11? First, it's very rare that there actually are urgent emails. And second, Inbox Pause allows you to pick people who can email you during these times. I'll get an alert. So when I have a meeting with people that day, they'll be on a list. And any email that they send me that's related to scheduling, I'll see. Also, my virtual assistant, Anna Shree, checks my inbox a few times throughout the day to make sure I'm not missing anything urgent. Basically, there's never been anything that I've missed. If you've got a full-time job and are trying to validate your idea on the side, i definitely follow this framework. If you've got 13 hours a week to work on stuff, you need to make sure that 10 of those are four stones. A big disclaimer here, working for three to four hours at a time will be hard at first. Your brain's been turned into a mashed potato by your current work habits. It's okay, it's not you, it's everyone. But here's how to handle it. Just start with an hour. See if you can do it. What I do is whenever I get distracted or have an urge to check email, I'll open up the notes app and I'll just write down what time it is and what I wanted to do. If I take a look at my notes app for the time that I was drafting this podcast, I've got 822, I felt like checking the phone. 830, I felt like checking email. 852, I felt like checking email. 1024, I need to research the best gin for a martini, then I need to buy gin, vermouth, and olives. I don't know what that was about. Then I have a list of other things I need to do. So I need to email my mom, I need to send an email to people who came to the Tacklebox event, and so forth. This notepad's a lifesaver for me. It allows me to offload thoughts without needing to check something like email. There are a few other tricks I have because, again, my willpower is awful. For these big blocks of time, I really need no distractions. I use a tool called Freedom. It blocks the internet for as long as you'd like it to, and you can schedule it in advance. So freedom blocks the internet during my stone time. I can't do anything. I can't go to LinkedIn or Twitter. I can't check email, nothing. I don't have the password to freedom. Anna keeps it. So I've really got no way of cheating. The only thing I can do on my laptop is work. The internet then automatically gets turned back on, but things like social media are always blocked. These sites bring very little value at enormous cost. I do schedule 30 minutes here and there throughout the week to check things like Twitter or LinkedIn and see what I missed. I usually make it through about 10-15 minutes before I realize I didn't actually miss anything, and then I get back to whatever I was doing. I noticed that news was crushing me for a while, so I got rid of that too. All my news sites are always blocked. I get a physical paper on Sunday, and I get The Economist. That's really all I need. I realize some people can't do this, and maybe I shouldn't. But I've got specific goals, and nothing news-related pushes me towards any of them. One of my favorite techniques is to make one decision that makes thousands of decisions. I block the news, so I never need to make the decision of, should I check the news? My email is blocked until noon, so should I check email isn't ever a question I ask. This saves an enormous amount of decision fatigue. This is a lot of my current operating system. I'm constantly tweaking it, and it creates mountains of time for me. It allows me to run cohorts, build a podcast, and redo the website all at once. I'm always looking for opportunities to build on it. Anything I do that's fleeting can potentially be systematized or delegated. Do I follow it perfectly all the time? Of course not. I spent an entire Wednesday two weeks ago frantically trying to catch up on Game of Thrones. Do I break and check email when I'm not supposed to sometimes? Sure. But this system gets better and easier with practice. Absolute worst case, my system ensures I'm constantly being thoughtful about actions that will have second-order positive consequences for my company. This consistent practice cannot be a bad thing. Best case, build a system that operates on its own and keeps you on track. This requires less and less cognitive overhead to do the difficult, creative, differentiated work that will give your idea a chance. The last piece of your operating system is tracking. I mentioned earlier how strong our need to get rapid, reinforcing feedback is. That's the feedback that comes from answering to and firing off emails all day. It's a little endorphin rush. You need to figure out a way to recreate this so there are some short-term wins that are driving you towards those longer-term gains, the longer feedback loops from your stones. I create a weekly report. On the report, there's the amount of time I spend on durable versus fleeting tasks, the sand versus stone stuff. The weekly report tracks the number of stones I get to each week. And I'm always trying to improve on that number. It also lists out all the projects I'm working on, the amount of time I spend on each, and KPIs for each project. Email Analytics pulls in all my email data, the number of emails sent, received, and the time spent in Gmail. I'm constantly trying to decrease these numbers. Finally, I pull this into one big score for the week. This is based on the number of things I've done that will benefit me down the road. I have my big vision for Tacklebox explicitly written at the top of the report and I can see how all the projects I'm working on will contribute to that vision. I'm always trying to improve this score. It's become a little bit of an obsession. I spend a lot of time thinking about and building the scaffolding to continue to get more out of the hours I spend. Accountability here is huge. I always go through it with Anna Sheree on Mondays, but if you're working alone, I would definitely find a partner to go over a weekly report with. It's critical that you're held accountable. The last part of the system is the end of the system. Everything is time-boxed, so when you're done, you're done. Shut the laptop. If you need more time, schedule more time, but don't just let emails and things bleed. Don't check your inbox on Saturdays. Don't have Gmail on your phone. Get your stuff done so you can live your life. Life is where everything important happens. The insight, the growth, the difficult work. Your unconscious mind will continue to work on the problems of the week, but if it's partially taken up with one foot in, one foot out while you're answering email on a Sunday, it won't. Whenever I'm stuck and uncreative, That means I'm answering lots of emails and not out roaming an experience in the world. Different things come from different experiences and views. I was going to end this by saying that this is all a bit extreme, but as I think about it, I actually don't think it is. I think it's how people should work. What is extreme is trying to do difficult work with thousands of distractions and competition for your attention. That's crazy. Not this workflow. So how can you get started next week? Stones and sand. Plan out your week on Sunday. Create a three-hour block or two. Pick what you'll work on, something that'll have a huge second-order consequence, something that you think might be incredibly valuable down the road, something risky. And then use freedom to block the internet while you do it. Build from there. I spent a lot of time on this, and I have a lot more info if you want it. Books, specifically Deep Work, Getting Things Done, and The E-Myth, among others, have been very helpful. Again, email me at brian at gettacklebox.com or head to gettacklebox.com, click podcast, and sign up for the podcast emails to get some more of this. The extra juicy good stuff will all be in there. Also, let me know if you build out your own system. It all fascinates me, and I'm curious to hear what works and what doesn't. I'll say it again, and it deserves to be said a thousand times more. Ordinary will never equal extraordinary. Building yourself an operating system is a great tool to push you towards extraordinary. Have a great week.